this morning, we are still in faith and discipline. Uh, if you've been here for any length of time, you know that this is our second time around going through faith and discipline. Um, Jordan made this cool graphic. Looks like that. Um, you can get one if you want at the Connect booth. Um, there's little handouts. Um, if you notice the tree, it's rooted in the Word, uh, and that's part of what we've been talking about, what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and then the shield of faith uh, it protects you. Uh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, but we're talking about the second discipline today. And before I forget, uh, there's one more thing I want to mention. Um, for those of you that don't know, Miss Edna Batts, uh, Harold Batts' mom, um, Friday, Friday, she was taking her morning walk as she normally does. I normally see Miss Martha and then Miss Edna as I'm taking Olivia to school. Miss Edna got hit by a car. Um, she is stable. She did not break any bones. Um, but she is still at the hospital and being observed and um, I told Mr. Harold yesterday, I don't know many 98-year-old women get hit by a car and still alive to, to tell it. But uh, be praying for that family. Uh, if you want to send her something, um, we're more than happy to take that stuff at the Connect booth and, and get it to them or drop it by the office any day this week. Uh, but just pray for them. Um, Miss Edna is a testimony to me just by, I mean, being around 98 years is a testimony. Uh, and just, uh, she is a, a testimony to the fact that if uh, you stay in motion, you, that you'll keep going. And uh, just thankful for her. So y'all pray for that family. Um, faith and discipline. We're in the second discipline this week, uh, which is living the Word. Um, if you remember, when Bobby gave this message a handful of weeks ago, he asked the question, where do you stay? When you tell somebody where you stay, how uh, detailed are you? You say, I live in North Carolina, I live at the beach, or I live in Deer Run neighborhood on Buck Drive. Where do you stay? Be thinking about that. Why do you stay where you stay? Uh, we're in Psalm 119 this morning, if you have your Bible. Um, something I learned about Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And uh, I wrote up there, it's long, but it's good. The whole thing is, is encouraging. Um, but I also learned that the Hebrew letters of the alphabet are about about every eight verses. There's an, another Hebrew letter of the alphabet, and they use this psalm to teach people the alphabet. That's part of the reason why it's so long. So it's a letter, eight verses, another letter, eight verses, another letter, eight verses. Um, we're in the second letter, verses 19 through 16. Um, I'm going to read it, and then we'll go through it, all right? Before I read it, though, I want to pray. All right? 
God, thank you for uh, for a new day. Thank you, dear Lord, for this time we just get to come before you and worship, dear Lord, and rejoice and praise and sing and and get closer to you. Help us to draw closer to you right now, dear Lord. Help us to experience you, dear Lord. Thank you for this time, dear Lord. I pray that uh, we'll think about where we stay and why we stay there and and uh, just rest in you. Help uh, everything we do just to glorify you, dear Lord. Thank you for just the privilege to be able to share how much you love us, dear Lord. And I love you. Amen. All right, Psalm 119. Uh, I read out a New Living Translation, if it's a little bit different than yours. But uh, in verse 9, it starts with, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have read, recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect in your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. So in the very first verse, there's a question. How can a young person stay pure? And then there's an answer right after that. But I thought about... How can a young person stay pure? What does it mean to be pure? It means that that's the only thing that's in there. Meaning like gold. Pure gold. What does that mean? There ain't nothing in there but gold. Pure silver. Or maybe something a little more purified water. What's the only thing in there? Water. Well, how do you get purified water what do you normally have to do filter it distill it what do, what do when you distill it what do you do you heat it up right so there's some sort of refinement that has to go on some sort of fire that has to take away any impurities right or silver you do the same thing. You heat it up, and, and what comes to the top once you heat it up? All the impurities, right? And you scrape it off, and you keep repeating that process until it turns into silver. And if you've ever seen that or done that, you notice when you start doing it, at the beginning, it don't really look like silver. It's not very shiny. But once you get done, you see your reflection, right? In something silver that's pure. And this image of God is a reflection of God. God wants to make you pure until He can see Him and you. How can a young person stay pure? Have you ever heard the saying, or maybe you even heard somebody say it to you, I'll settle down when I'm older. I'll do the religion thing when I get older. While I'm young, I want to have fun and do what I want to do. I'd even say that myself. And then I realized when I got older how hard it was to get pure because I had 
form these habits over and over and over again of of the world and now I realize that if I would have done this when I was younger, it probably wouldn't be so hard. Uh, I was in Harris Teeter um, Friday, maybe. And uh, as soon as you walk in the door, there's a Starbucks sign because there's a Starbucks in Harris Teeter. And it says something like, it's time for a me break. And I noticed it. I don't never notice it before because I don't never get coffee at Starbucks and Harris Teeter. But I noticed how the world constantly pushes on you to be selfish. It's time for a me break. Let me think about me. While I'm young, let me do what I want to do. And then when I get older and have more responsibility, then I'll do what God wants me to do. There's another saying. Why should you teach your kids this when they're young? Kyle told me uh, a few weeks ago, me and Kyle both uh, got young kids, new kids, babies. Kyle's going to have another baby. Uh, I got a three-week-old. There's a statistic out there. By the time a kid is 12 years old, you will have spent over 80% of the time you're going to spend with them whether you realize it or not. So, is it better knowing this, that when they get older, to continue to guard them almost? Or should you teach them and train them? Because you have a very short amount of time to do that, right? (laughs) Me and uh, my mom and my wife were talking last night before I went to bed, and uh, Will, who's my half-brother, is 15, and he's hanging out with his friends. How many of you got know anything about the Life360 app? You can pull them, pull them up on your phone and know exactly where they're at. Thank God they didn't have Life360 app when I was 15. <laughs> Because my mom said, if I'd have had Life 360 yeah, when you were Will's age, I said, Mom, I'd have been in jail. But that's a good thing. It's good to know where your kids are, but to constantly hover over them or try to protect them, is that necessarily a good thing all the time? Because... If they constantly, if your kid constantly has four or five accountability partners, what do you think is going to happen when they get on their own and they don't have any accountability? If you haven't trained them, if you haven't taught them what the psalmist is trying to say here, how can a young person stay pure? He answers it. In the second half of the verse 9, by obeying your word. The King James Version says, take heed. Um, which is which is a little heavier to me. That ain't something a word you use every day. It ain't a word I use every day anyway. Um, it ain't something that just happens by accident. It isn't like poof, I'm pure, or whoops, I'm pure. It don't just happen that way. What do you have to do by obeying your word? 
Verse 10 says, I have tried hard to find you. I've sought you with all my heart. That's what another translation says. I have sought you with all my heart. Uh, When I read that translation, it uh, triggered something in me and it made me realize at what point did, did I do this? And unfortunately, it wasn't until later in life that I realized, God, I haven't sought you with all my heart. I haven't given you 100%. And that's probably why I struggle with the things I struggle with. And that's probably why I'm wrapped up by the world and constantly go in this vicious circle of sin, repent, repeat. Don't let me wander from your commands. What happens when you wander? What happens when you just go with the flow? Like floating down a river. I go to the mountains every year um, in the summertime. And uh, I love walking down the river and sometimes we'll get tubes and float down the river. And if you float long enough... (laughs) you'll find run into some stuff you don't want to run into. <laughs> I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Where do you stay? Thinking about what is pure. How does a young how can a young person stay pure? Jesus in uh, Matthew 23 and 24 talks about it. And uh, it's funny. He's talking to religious people. He's talking to church people. He spends almost a whole chapter condemning church people. In Matthew 23, starting in verse 23, this is what Jesus says. How terrible... Will it be for you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites? You are careful to tithe even the tiniest part of your income, but you ignore the important things of the law, justice, mercy, faith. You should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat. Then you swallow a camel. How terrible it would be for you and your teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. You're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, wash the inside of the cup and then the outside will become clean too. He goes on to say, you are like washed tombs all painted and pretty on the outside, but empty on the inside. See, the the Pharisees were more worried about being ceremonially clean than the purity of their heart. What does that say about us? What do we put weight on? What do we find important? What do we think is important? Do we think coming here on Sunday for an hour, does that make us? The purity of their hearts is what Jesus questioned. 
Don't be so worried about what it looks like on the outside as what it is on the inside. And the psalmist tells you by obeying God's Word. In verse 14, I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. Uh, Passion translation is translation I read every now and again. says it a little more plainly or in a better way that I can understand. It says, I find more joy in following what you tell me to do than in chasing after all the wealth of the world. What if somebody said, I'll give you $5 million if you just won't read your Bible anymore? Now, in here, nobody would admit to that, right? But do you truly value it that way? Do you understand that that God's Word tells us how to live this life? He gives a book on how to live this life. And that it keeps you. It purifies you. And even if you ain't pure, even now, even right now, only thing you got to do is tell him and start there. And he'll start purifying you. And you'll realize why everything is in this book. Talking about young people. Why, why, I wonder why he says young people. Does it just pertain to young people? Obviously not, because I wasn't necessarily young when I started to realize what this meant or why I should even be pure or why would I want to be pure. Proverbs 22.15 A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but discipline will drive it away. We don't like discipline, do we? We don't like being told what to do. I guess that's the result of the fall or our sin nature and I was just me and Kyle were talking in the office right before I came over here and and I was asking him I was like you know I wonder why I struggle sometimes with reading the word and in and studying and thinking about this I I remembered it was because in my younger days I didn't care about being pure I wanted to do what I wanted to do and when I get older I'll I'll think about it then. And when you continue to sow them seeds of the world, that's what you're going to get. And they don't satisfy. And you realize you keep having to have more and more and more. And you get deeper and deeper and deeper and, and you don't even realize that you're corrupting your heart. And that's why God sent Jesus, right? The song Scott and Morning Glory just sang, Your blood, crimson streams. Proverbs. Again, this is Solomon, the wisest guy in the Bible. Wisest guy to ever live, so to speak. Um, so you should probably listen to him. says in chapter 3, Talking about verse 14, I have rejoiced in your laws as much 
as in your as as much as in riches, as much as in all the wealth of the world, I rejoice. Happy is the person who finds wisdom and gains understanding, for the profit of wisdom is better than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. What does it mean to rejoice? To feel or show great joy or delight. What do you delight in? What's delight mean? Something that pleases you greatly. How do you come to love something? Most time, what you delight in is what you love, right? So maybe you have a question in your mind like like I do. Well, well, God, what if I don't delight in Your Word? What if I don't want to read it? What if my heart ain't right? What do I do? How do you love something? Why do you love something? Why do you love your wife or your husband or your kids or your mom or your dad? Because you spent time with them, right? Well, if you don't spend any time with God, then how can you begin to love them? I find more joy in following what you tell me to do than in chasing after all the wealth of the world. The wealth of the world. Money. It's fitting to get real quiet in here. We don't talk about money a whole lot in here, do we? You're missing out. When you do money the world's way, what do, what do we do? Like the Starbucks sign, it's time for a me brain. I want more and more. When you do money the world's way, what 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 happens? Like uh Great theologian Biggie Small said, more money, more problems. If I can find it right quick, if you give me just a second, I'll find it. You miss out on God's blessing when you don't know what He says about things, about money. And I've experienced it too many times not to tell y'all In Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. This is what he says. Talking about money. Almost got it. Verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. This is the only time in the Bible I know of where God asks you to test it. 
Test them what you give them. You can't outgive God. Can't do it. I've tried. You cannot do it. And when you start thinking about yourself less and you start giving, things will happen and you'll experience God and you'll start to understand why some of the things that are in this book are in there. I challenge you, and I'm not saying something about money so you'll give money to this place. I, I, it, maybe just do it anywhere. It don't even have to be here. And see what happens. I find more joy in following what you tell me to do than chasing after all the wealth in the world. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. I praise you, God. Teach me your decrees. Give me direction. If you're floating down a river and just going with the flow and you have no concept or idea of where you're going, where do you think you're going to end up? You think the world... Don't have an agenda for you? You wonder why the Starbucks site says it's time for a me break? I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. Do you memorize God's Word? I've used the excuse time and time again. I just have a bad memory. I ain't good at memorizing But you remember the lyrics to a song or lines to a movie or I could probably sing y'all a dozen different Disney songs. <laughs> Why? Why do you remember those? Because you've watched it a hundred times or you've listened to it a hundred times or we were eating chicken wings one night and Mr. Tim back there was talking to Don. And Don used to sell Harleys for a long time. And Tim asked him a simple question. Why do you know so much about Harleys? Well, because I sold them for 20 years. So you can't use that as an excuse. But you can't begin to love something until you spend time with them. Put a little effort into it. Take heed. And if this is the only time you do that, an hour a week, or maybe you even come on Wednesday, let's say two hours a week, or maybe you even do it, do a devotion in the morning, 15 minutes a week, 15 minutes a day. If that's the only time you do it, it ain't going to stick. You don't eat just once a week, do you? No, you'd starve, right? What we learned last week. Psalms 1-2. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So what does that mean? When it's day, meditate on the law of the Lord. And when it's night, meditate on the law of the Lord. If it ain't day or night, then do something else. Try it. Just try it and see what happens. 
What do you delight in? What I delight in is normally what I talk about, right? Normally what you tell people about. It could be your wife or your kids or your hobbies. I tell you whatever you want to know about golf or about hunting or I like running, exercising. You find yourself normally talking about that. You talk about the weather or sports or who's doing something. Matthew twelve thirty four says, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. What if in my heart I don't want to? I've been caught up in the world so long I don't even know how to get out. How many of you heard about the Asbury Revival going on and all the other revivals that have come out of it? And you pray for what? Man, I wish that would come here. You know how it started? A guy was preaching to some a seminary student was preaching to other seminary students. And he didn't even get really to the point of his message. Something he said, though, stuck out to me. At the very beginning, he said, turn to your neighbor. Tell him you love him. Turn to your other neighbor. Tell him you love him. Didn't nobody do that. And then he said, if that's the first time you talk to him, that's a problem. We talked about this on Wednesday night. Jesus in John, I believe, chapter 17 or 14, one of those, somewhere between chapter 14 through 17, uh, when he's saying, how will they know you sent me? Because I'm in you and you are in me. And if they are in us, then they will know. The world will know. If we're not unified by love, if we don't love each other, it, don't, it isn't going to make much difference. It don't matter how many rules, how many events, programs, structures, meetings we have. If you don't love each other, and that love doesn't come from the Father, the world ain't going to know. No matter how many revivals we have. We talked about this uh, Monday in the pastor's meeting, and uh, I learned, or or was reminded, thought about, you know, revival happens all the time. People get revived all the time. And you can debate or try to think about if if these revivals, some of them were manufactured or how they happened or how they started, but how it started, how that revival started in that school was the guy was preaching, said something about prayer and repentance. And people just came down and started praying. Which goes back to the question I asked. 
What if in my heart I don't want to? What if I don't delight in your laws and decrees and directions? It starts right there with confession and repentance. And that's how revival started. It wasn't because they wanted a revival. It was just because they were confessing and repenting. And because of that, God did something. But if your heart's out of line and you want God to do something, so you come down here to pray and repent, and you're like, God, I hope you do something, I don't think it works that way. What is the posture of your heart? If your heart is messed up, mine was messed up and still is to some degree. I have to pray all the time, God, my heart ain't right. I need you to fix it. Help me to see what's in my life that is distracting me. Repentance. What does that mean? Turning from sin. Turning from sin and turning to God. When you pray, do you remember this? Do you start out that way? A lot of times we lump requests with prayer. Do you remember the power of God? Jesus died and bled and paid for our sins. And what happened after that on the cross? He gave up His Spirit and He gave it to us. Free gift. And the Holy Spirit is also what? A counselor. He'll help you if you just ask Him to. What's a counselor do? They help you. That same power... As the song says, as, as the Word says, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. Do you believe that? Have you experienced it? When you pray, I can sit up here and talk all morning long about laws and decrees and direction and purity. But if your heart ain't right, and you haven't confessed and repented, and you haven't tried, it don't matter what I say. As you notice when I pray, I pray a lot. God, don't let me miss what You're doing. Help me to experience You. Because it was an experience that pushed me to God. Going back to your kids, or how does a young person stay pure, talking about... Are you, are you just guarding your kids? Are you just protecting them from everything of the world? Are you training them and equipping them to be able to see and handle the world? Because they're going to get out there sooner or later. And God works all things for good, right? Even bad things. So if you never let your kids experience anything, then when they get on their own, what do you think is going to happen? I realized it wasn't until I was 24 or 25 that I realized that I had lived off of my grandparents' faith. And I never really had my own. 
And thank God I was saved and God is a redeemer and, and He was drawing me closer to Him. But He had to do a lot of stuff to get my attention. And I thank God for it because if He wouldn't have got my attention, I wouldn't, He wouldn't have been real to me. And I wouldn't understand why you need these things. So I pray for each and every one of you that you have an experience. That you get to experience the power of God even if He has to do some wild things. And He will because He loves you. And He doesn't love you like the world loves you. He doesn't just give you cash and prizes and rewards. And He doesn't just give you me breaks. He loves you enough to give you what you need to help you realize that all this stuff here is temporary. And it don't last. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Seeking Him with all your heart. Try Let's pray. God, thank You for loving me enough to, to come and get me when I was lost. Thank You for Your Word and it teaching me and refining me. And dear Lord, I just want to be brighter for You. Help us not to compare ourselves to the world or to other people or our circumstances and, and know that when we do that, dear Lord, we take away the uniqueness that You put in us. That uh, in Your masterpiece, dear Lord, if we're a speck of color and, and we're not being who You called us to be, dear Lord, that the world isn't going to see as that bright and shiny picture, dear Lord. Help us to be okay with wherever we're at on our journey, dear Lord, and know that You love us enough to keep coming after us and chasing after us. And Dear Lord, I pray that in these next few moments that we'll just spend time with You, dear Lord, and ask You and have the faith to meet You, dear Lord. And thank You for for always meeting us. I pray that in this time, dear Lord, that we'll just humble ourselves. That we'll be vulnerable enough to confess and repent and do whatever we need to do. Dear Lord, I just pray it in Your name. Amen.